Everybody, welcome back to Sunny Day Review. I'm Brian. I'm Jillian. Jillian, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing quite well. I'm incredibly excited to talk about Hush in this yes. episode. Yes. Perhaps Hush. like the most famous episode of Buffy outside of Buffy fans. I know oh, yeah. I've heard lots of people talk about this and I've seen lots of articles about like greatest TV episodes of all time. This has been mm-hmm. included in a lot of them. So yeah, let's yeah. go. Alrighty. So today we're going to be talking about uh, Hush and Doomed. So season four, episodes 10 and 11. Awesome. Uh, so starting in on Hush, season four, episode 10, originally aired December 14th, 1999, written and directed by Joss Whedon. So no surprise, it's like one of the most famous mm-hmm. episodes. Um so, of course, yeah, there's an interesting backstory. I don't know if you want to get into it as to how this came about. Oh, so a uh, little bit of history here. One, fun fact, this is the only episode to be nominated for an Emmy in writing, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about more as we get into it, but it's really kind of like ironic. Yes. Um, so I guess kind of the backstory of this one, at least as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that... Joss Whedon really used Buffy as, like, his playground Mm -hmm. uh, for teaching himself how to be a director. So, since he was the showrunner and could pretty much do whatever he wanted, uh, he kind of was feeling like he was using dialogue as kind of a crutch, Mm -hmm. um, leaning on that, and he felt like he wasn't, like, growing or playing as much. so he really used this episode to kind of take away the thing that he felt that he was leaning on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess, I mean, if you haven't seen Hush, please go watch it and then come <laughs> back and watch this video because it's right. not going to make any sense. But basically, 90% of this episode, no one can talk. Mm-hmm. So Joss was like, you know, if I feel like I'm using dialogue too much as a crutch, what if I take that away? Mm-hmm. How can this kind of challenge me as a director and also challenge the actors, which apparently, um, or reportedly, this was one of the hardest episodes for the actors mm-hmm. because they couldn't speak. Yeah. It's not surprising that this was a tough one Yeah, to get everything across. Um, I'd also heard that some people had criticized Buffy in general as being like, oh, it's it's just like a witty, like, you know, it's not that serious. It's just all like references and stuff. And this is also a little bit more motivation for him to be like, you know, no, it's more than that. Like, right. this is, right. and he nailed it. He knocked this one out of the park. Oh, yeah. Let's just, let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> for everyone watching, we're probably going to gush about Hush, as it were, oh, yeah. quite a bit. Well, it's also like, when people talk about famous episodes of Buffy, mm-hmm. this is a fantastic episode, but I don't think it's one of the ones that I would go to if I wanted to show somebody an episode of Buffy and try to get them right. into watching it. Yeah. I think because the reason it works is because you have the th- three years of establishing what Buffy is. Yeah. Or, I mean, at this point, it's nearly three and a half seasons. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I totally, I totally agree with that. Yeah, so let's let's get into it. All right, uh, so the episode opens with Buffy in psych class. Seems like kind of the only class she goes to. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> um, Professor Walsh is teaching about the difference between communication and language. She calls Buffy up to the front of the room and asks her to lay down on the desk. Professor Walsh then calls Riley over, and without instructing him to do so, he starts kissing Buffy on the <clears throat> teacher's desk. <laughs> yeah, just normal, hands-on learning, right? I, I guess so. Um, he says to her, don't worry, if I kiss you, it'll make the sun go down. <laughs> uh, they start making out, the sun goes down, and all the students disappear. I'm not sure where they were meant to have gone. Uh, Buffy hears a girl singing in a hall, singing in the hallway. She leaves to investigate and finds a girl holding a box and singing. The girl is singing, uh, can't even shout, can't even cry. The gentlemen are coming by, looking in windows and knocking on doors. They need to take seven and they might take yours. Can't call for mom, can't say a word. You're going to die screaming, but you won't be heard. Yeah, so pretty creepy. Not, yeah. uh, not ideal. No. Um... So then Riley comes up behind Buffy, grabs her shoulder, but the second she turns, he transforms into a scary bald man. <laughs> uh, Buffy immediately wakes up in class. It turns out it was all the dream. Yes. Those darn prophecy, vague Slayer dreams. Yep. yep. <laughs> Never um, can just be straightforward, you know? No. Can't no. just be someone saying, hey, these demons are coming. <laughs> Get prepared. That would be cool if it could be, like, Buffy and Angel, and right. Angel shows up just to tell her, like, hey, here's what's coming your way. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's see. Leaving class, Buffy tells Riley and Willow about her dream, and they try to figure out what it means. Willow takes off for Wicca Group, leaving Buffy and Riley to chat. They keep getting close to finally having their first kiss, but they can't stop interrupting themselves, which is, like, <laughs> babbling. Right. Uh, apparently they are both nervous babblers, which mm. is working against them in this case. Oh, yes. Uh, and kind of ties right into what Professor Walsh was talking about um, regarding communication versus language, because mm. the language piece of it keeps getting in their way. But there are other ways to communicate other than words. Uh, Buffy calls Giles to tell him about the girl's rhyme in her dream, and she's afraid it might be another one of her prophecy dreams. Uh, Giles says he'll look into it. We see Spike is now free to roam the house, and he and Giles are arguing about groceries. <laughs> very, very fun. I'm, I'm utterly confused, because at least when he was chained in the bathtub, he was, like, their hostage. Mm -hmm. Right? But now he's just free to roam the house, and it's like... It, he can leave, but he doesn't. But he's being held against his will, but he's not. Right. It's uh, he's it's easier for him to claim he's being held against his will than admit that he doesn't have anywhere else to go. That's true. Uh, it's too see. proud. <laughs> Xander and Anya stop by to visit Giles. They're arguing because Xander won't express how he feels about Anya. Um, Pretty typical yeah. Xander-Anya uh, dynamic. Well... She thinks that he only likes the physical part of their relationship. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to be like, why do you, I have to tell you how I feel about you. Why can't you just see what I do and understand? Right. Uh, but I, I feel like you could easily say like that's because of Anya's whole like not great at being human thing. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, I feel like that is a semi-realistic conversation yeah, no, that could happen between a boyfriend and girlfriend yeah so especially at this age yeah 18 19 yeah what are we oh those days i remember mm. those days 
<laughs> um, let's see. Giles says he needs Xander to take Spike for a few days. He's having a friend come to visit, and he, uh, they'd like to be alone. Everyone other than Giles is appalled by this idea. <laughs> come on. I know they think he's super old, but he's not that old. He's not that old. He's like... <laughs> What, mid-30s, probably? Yeah, something like that. Like, he's got to have a life. Come on. Like, he can't just be babysitter all the time. Right. <laughs> he deserves more than that, damn it. Yeah. He's a man of leisure. <laughs> they weren't weirded out by Miss Calendar, were they? I can't remember if they were that weirded out. But I think they, they wanted that to happen. Yeah. But they now they're like, no. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um... But yeah, of course, Anya. Anya has one of her lax subtlety moments. <laughs> asks Dan or asks uh, Giles if he wants Spike to leave because he's having an orgasm prank come over. <laughs> oh, Anya. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, funny. but uh, Spike doesn't want to go stay with Xander. Xander doesn't want mm. Spike to go stay with Xander. Anya doesn't want <laughs> Spike to go stay with Xander. <laughs> the only one who's okay with this. Is Giles, but for mm. some reason they all agree to it. I, you know, I don't understand. They, um, they let her, they gotta hook Giles up, you know. As much as they they say they're against it, like be rude to just be like, no, I'm not taking him. Yeah, but they could just boot Spike out. I don't. <laughs> it's dumb. He's he's um, he can't defend himself. Yeah. Throwing throwing him to the wild. Okay. Uh, so let's see. Willow is at Wicca group and is unimpressed by the amount of Wicca-ing they're doing. Mm. Uh, they like to talk about um, energy and power, but mm. seem more focused on having bake sales to fund their dance recital. <laughs> Willow makes the suggestion that they could try some spells and is quickly shot down, being told that they don't appreciate the stereotyping of their group. Very confusing. Um, feels I like... Oh, yeah. What, what are you going to say? I want, okay, I don't know a whole lot about the Wicca religion. Mm. I recognize that it is a religion. Right. In this show, the way that Wicca is used to, they don't really talk about Wicca as the religion. They talk about it more as witchcraft and mm. actually having magical powers. Mm. I feel like the show stereotypes Wiccas in this instance as more hippies. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's definitely weird because Willow, like, has, I guess, seen behind the veil of the mystic. She knows it's real, but then it doesn't seem like any of these people really think that it's real. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um. So let's see. We see one girl in the group meekly try to back Willow up, but she quickly chickens out. Welcome to the show, Tara. Yes, finally. Finally. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we won't get too into it, but I, I think we can both say we're big fans of Tara. Yeah. On the show. She's just I mean, so great. Oz will always be my number one. Yes, of course. You got the Funko Pop, you know. Yeah. I just love him as a character mm. on his own. And I love him and Willow together. Yes. I have nothing against Tara. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I love her as a character as well. I love her and Willow together as well. Sorry, spoilers. Yeah, sorry, guys. Um, it's it happens in this season. It's fine. Yeah. Um. But. Yeah, Oz will always be my number one. It's always like mm. the the love that didn't quite get to happen, or mm. I, I don't know. I'm explaining this badly, and we should just move on. All right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Later that night, Willow vents to Buffy about how the Wicked group is filled with a bunch of wanted wanna blessed bees. <laughs> I love it so much, um, but no actual witches as far as she can see. Willow asks Buffy about how things are progressing with her and Riley, and Buffy reveals that she feels stuck in her relationship with Riley because all they do is talk, and Buffy feels like she's lying all the time. Because um, she can't, like, she's like, one way or another, the Slayer thing comes up, and I have to lie. And it's Correct. just, it has to be exhausting when you're, like, hiding that big of a piece of your life. Hmm. No, no doubt. I mean,. <sighs> It's hard, but hey, she's she's not the only one, right? Right. So, being a superhero, um, <laughs> tough tough business. Let's see. Um, Buffy tells Willow that she wishes she could just come clean and reveal her Slayer life to Riley. This immediately cuts over to Riley having a similar conversation with Forrest, saying he wishes he could tell Buffy about the initiative and his other life. Mm-hmm. Also, Forrest sucks. <clears throat> Wow. Not probably not a hot take. No. No, it's just established fact at this point. <laughs> oh. Um we see Xander getting ready to go to bed in his basement and tying Spike to a chair for the evening. We also <laughs> see Giles' friend Olivia arrive. He didn't pick her up at the airport. She just kind of mm. shows up at his condo or apartment or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean not not a great first showing. No. Rupert. It's not great. No. Works out for him, but still. <laughs> uh, once everyone is asleep, elsewhere in town, we see bony white hands open a box and watch as voices all over Sunnydale get stolen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, we see uh, the first glimpse of the bad of this episode. Yeah. Well, I guess second glimpse, technically, but first yeah. real world glimpse. Yes. Uh, the next morning, Buffy wakes up and starts getting ready for her day. She goes to the bathroom, brushes her teeth. She heads back, heading back to her room. She sees a girl walk by, silently crying. Uh, Buffy takes notice but doesn't seem overly concerned until she heads back into her bedroom to say good morning to Willow, only to have no sound come out of her mouth. Yeah. Uh, Willow and Buffy slowly figure out that they haven't gone deaf, they just both can't speak. Mm-hmm. We see Xander and Spike come to the same realization. Xander initially accuses Spike of doing something to him while Spike <laughs> is still tied to the chair. Uh, Xander picks up the phone to call uh, Willow and Buffy, who answer but can't speak. <laughs> yeah, so that that kind of... You know, today, it'd be much easier. You can text. Yeah. You know? Yep. Not, not back then. This is a big problem. <laughs> That's one of those things that's like... If you ever want to date your show, put technology in it. Yeah, definitely. This is one of those one of those times where it's like you know if they just had cell phones. Yeah. Um, at their dorm, we see Riley and Forrest have realized what's happening and rush to the initiative to find out why. They almost get taken out by uh, lethal countermeasures in the elevator because they can't enter the vocal uh, identification code, only to be rescued by Professor Walsh, who points out. 
um, a in case of emergency use stairs sign. <laughs> so yeah, very very comical. Um, also, <laughs> the beginning of new uh, new identification for the initiative going forward. Yeah, <laughs> I want to know like. No, no, that's too far out. Okay, never mind. Okay. Um, let's see. Out walking around town, we see the chaos is starting to break out in downtown Sunnydale as people panic. Uh, Buffy and Willow end up buying uh, the signs that you can, like whiteboards that you mm-hmm. can tie around your neck and carry around with you. Yeah, smart. Yeah. Uh, Buffy and, uh... and Willow arrive at Giles' place only to find Anya and Xander already there. They ask Giles if he found anything to explain what's going on, but Giles shakes his head no. Uh, we see on the news that it's reported that the whole town has been quarantined due to an outbreak of laryngitis. God. The story <laughs> is that a recent round of flu vaccinations caused the outbreak, but the whole town has been closed as a result. Uh, not entirely dissimilar to the COVID-19 world that we are currently living in. Yeah, we can at least speak. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Uh, Buffy tells the team to keep researching, um, and she'll be out patrolling in town that night to keep the peace. At the initiative, we see that Professor Walsh has a similar idea and is telling Riley and his team to patrol in their civilian clothes um, that evening to keep just things calm, break up fights, whatever. Mm-hmm. The initiative also doesn't know what's happening. Right. Uh, let's see. So what do you think about the kind of Buffy taking it upon herself to go out in the town and try to keep the peace, but also Professor Walsh, like, having the same idea. I mean, is... I guess they're both in the same, like, realm of dealing with mystical mm-hmm. elements, so I guess as far as they're concerned, they need to go out there because they're the best prepared to potentially deal with what's going on. I don't know. What mm-hmm. do you think? I think it's interesting that Buffy, like, usually you'd look at it and just say, oh, she fights vampires. But I think Mm. this is a case where you see it and she's like, she does what she does not to just kill vampires, but to protect people. Mm. So even though this, I mean, they assume it's supernatural because, like, what the hell? Um, Everybody in their town lost their voice in the same night. Like, how could this not be supernatural? But, like, just because she doesn't have something to go out and punch yet, like, she still wants to go out and protect people, mm-hmm. even if it's protecting people from each other. Yeah. Uh, and, so I mean, see. yeah, she's the vampire slayer, but we've seen she's the demon slayer. She, you know, she's just a slayer. Right. Slays evil. But she, she doesn't have something to go slay yet. She doesn't right. know what she's fighting. Yeah, that's true. Uh... That night, Buffy and Riley are both downtown and helping to break up fights. Buffy and Riley see each other and, unable to let their nervous babbling get in the way, finally kiss. (laughs) Uh, So one good thing came out of this. Yay. (laughs) Uh, That night, we see the scary guys from Buffy's dream. Can we just start calling them the gentlemen at this point? Yeah. Okay. They're called the gentlemen. Uh, They're called the gentlemen. Yeah. Uh. So the gentlemen head out through the town. There are six of them dressed in suits, and they float, like, about six inches off the ground. They are, hands down, 
one of the scariest monsters in this mm. show. And they don't even, like, they're not fast. No. They're just really freaking creepy. Yeah, it's the the hovering, the, like, stunted movements. and Oh, yeah. Like, the, the, is it a tuxedo or a suit? It's a suit, right? It's like a suit. Yeah. Yeah. It's messed up. Why is a demon wearing a suit? <laughs> it's just it's just a lot. Oh yeah. Uh, they are assisted by their minions who are dressed in like insane asylum clothes, mm. like straitjackets and stuff, um, but like not tied up straitjackets. Yeah. Just straitjackets. Um, and for some reason, their minions just remind me of the flying monkeys from The Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, mindless drones, almost. It's something in their movement. I don't mm. know, but it's they just remind me of the flying monkeys. I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think that tracks. Yeah. Um, let's see. The gentlemen head past Giles' house. Olivia happens to catch a glimpse of them as they pass by the window. I do think it's funny that, like, one of the gentlemen passes by the window... She sees it. I don't know if he sees her, but if he did see her, but they don't go after her. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we see two members of the gentleman politely knock on a dorm room door, and once a student answers, they attack the male student and cut his heart out. The gentlemen bring the heart back to their clock tower hideout, and the rest applaud. So fucking creepy. Yeah, so, I mean, that's... Their method is not nearly as violent as some of the other monsters we've seen, but it's just so, like, scary because no one can get help. Like, you can't do anything. They just hold you down and cut your heart out. And it's very, like, proper, I guess, for as far as ripping a heart out goes. But Yeah. I mean, they use, like, a scalpel. It's not, like... Right. It's, It's all very precise. It's just weird. Um, The next morning, as news hits the papers of the first two killings, so I guess we saw one. The other one might have been a small girl from Mm. what I was reading on that newspaper. Um, Olivia draws a picture of the demon that she saw. This inspires Giles to go and pull a book of fairy tales off the shelf. Mm. Now, this is not the first time that we have seen fairy tales in this show. Um, The other episode was Gingerbread with Hansel and Gretel back in season... Two? Um, season three? Yep. Uh, season three, episode 11, Gingerbread. Yep. So one of the ones where Faith just wasn't ago. in it. <laughs> right? I'm sorry, what? The one of the ones where Faith just wasn't in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, almost almost exactly a year before with this is episode 10. Yep. And that was episode 11. So. Mm. But yeah, uh, so this is not the first time we have seen fairy tales have a foothold in the real world. Mm. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, so I love this next scene. The Scoobies take over the lecture hall at, uh, on campus and Giles works an overhead projector to fill the team in on what he's found. Mm. He has background music and everything. So he has slides of like, who are the gentlemen? Mm. They are fairy tale monsters. What do they want? Hearts, not boobies, Xander. Because <laughs> uh, he puts up the the the. Oh, what is it called? 
the like overhead the plastic. Slide. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Well, it's not like a slide. It's not like a slide projector, but yeah, the no, transparency. Yeah. Mm. Um, and <laughs> he's like, what do they want? And Willow's like, oh, oh, I know. And she starts pointing at her chest, meaning like her heart. Mm. And Xander's like, boobies? <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> it's just like, it's a great Xander moment. Mm. Um, so the gentlemen come to a town, they steal the voices so no one can scream, and then they attack people and cut their hearts out. They need seven, they have at least two. Uh, he has one that says, how do we kill them? And Buffy starts making some suggestive, suggestive hand motions um, that she needs to further explain by pulling a stake out of her bag and motioning, stabbing them. But when yeah, she wasn't she's just holding frantically anything, putting her hand up and down and it looks like something else. You know that she was intending mm. stabbing them. All right. It did not come off that way. <laughs> but it's a great moment. Yeah. Um, so let's see. In the fairy tales, swords weren't able to kill them. Uh, and then in the original fairy tale, a girl was able to scream, which ended up killing them all. Only a real human voice can kill them, so it can't be like a recording. Hmm. Uh, Giles doesn't know how to get their voices back. He instructs Buffy to patrol that evening. Buffy takes offense to how widely he drew her hips on the, on the <laughs> transparency. Um, and Willow, Xander, and Anya are going to help Giles to research. Right. <laughs> um, for the second night in a row, the initiative head out, this time not dressed as civilians for some reason. Uh, Riley decides to dive in and check out the clock tower as he sees shadows of people moving around. Mm. Uh, doesn't call for backup for whatever reason. We uh, can't call. <laughs> I, they didn't, I, they I, didn't think it through. Like, you can't radio for help. I mean, they have, like, radar things and stuff. <laughs> like, you, yeah, you they could have figured they, something out. There are beepers, damn it. Yeah, or Morse code with the radio. Right? Yeah. They but. can figure it out. <laughs> uh, Tara, the girl from the Wicca group, tracks down Willow's dorm number and heads out only to accidentally call attention to the uh, call attention to herself in front of the gentleman, who happened to be wandering by at that time. Uh, mm. She runs off, but is chased by the gentleman and their minions. She runs into the dorm, starts banging on doors, but no one wants to open their door since there was just that brutal murder the night before in the mm. building. Understandable. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. In college, I would never just open my door when somebody knocked. Right. Like, I had a people. I would mm. use that. Right. <laughs> um... Tara tries to scream but is not able to. Willow goes out in the hallway to investigate all the banging, only to be run into by Tara as she's trying to run from the gentleman. They flee together, Tara helping Willow as she is now hurt. Um, she hurt her ankle from colliding with Tara. Mm -hmm. uh, Willow and Tara manage to make their way to the laundry room in, in the dorm. Willow tries to telepathically move a vending machine in front of the door to block the gentleman. Uh, and their minions, but it is too large for her to move on her own. Surprisingly, Tara grabs her hand, and without saying a word, the two manage to work together to magically move the vending machine. So another connection, you know, that didn't yep. need. And we all this, we see that Tara is actually, you know, a for real witch, not, yeah. not like the rest of the Wiccans. The wanna blessed bees? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, 
it's also just like very much one of those they managed to communicate without language mm. so yeah i just think it's really cool yeah that's yeah, um, a good scene Back in town, Buffy gets attacked by a couple of the gentleman's minions who end up fighting her all the way back to the clock tower. Mm. Once inside, she comes face to face with Riley, dressed in his initiative gear and with a gun. They each fight separate minions, and Riley is both impressed and confused by Buffy's ability to handle herself in a fight. There's a scene where they like both point their respective guns. Like She has a crossbow, mm-hmm. he has a gun, and they point it at each other, right? Yeah. Yeah, pretty fun. Like, little <laughs> scene to show their different methods. Mm-hmm. And also, like, oh, all right, so now they know. It's like, so you're one of those initiative guys, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Buffy and Riley make their way upstairs while fighting the minions, and Buffy glimpses the box that the girl in her dream was holding at the beginning of the episode. After a, fa- a few failed attempts to communicate the box to Riley while she's <laughs> under attack by the minions, Riley finally smashes the box, releasing everyone's voices. Buffy screams, causing all the gentlemen's heads to explode. Uh... Yeah, there's a great scene where she, like, points to something else and he smashes it and then he, like, smiles. <laughs> She's like, no! <laughs> so well, because he starts smashing the jars that have the hearts mm-hmm. in them. Right. And she's like, no, the the box! <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, so she screams, causing all the gentlemen's heads to explode. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the minions go. They're just yeah. gone all of a sudden. I guess they just disappear with the gentlemen i guess so um the next morning willow and tara are chatting tara tells willow that she was looking for her because she thought they might be able to do a spell to return everyone's voices they joke about how the wicked group is filled with posers who would probably run away if they saw a real witch um it is revealed that tara has been a witch for a long time and that her mother was actually one as well Mm. so this is where i have kind of a question yeah I don't know in this universe if being uh, a witch or I don't know if it's wizard or war- warlock in this warlock show. Yes. Warlock. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's like a genetic thing mm-hmm. or if it's like anybody could become right one depending on like if you're actually trying spells or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. Because, like, so my closest frame of reference is, like, Harry Potter. Of course. Which, in Harry Potter, it's, like, a genetic thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, so it could be passed down through lineage. But mm-hmm. there's also uh, Muggleborns mm-hmm. who like just happen to gene. have... Huh? Like a recessive gene. Yeah. Yeah, coming out with the magic. Yeah. Yeah, I... It's hard because I don't, I think it's a combination. I think it's like if you're more predisposed to it, you're better at it because there's certainly like instances of people who aren't like warlocks doing magic. Giles does spells, you know, is he a warlock? It's not really like, he never says, oh, I'm a warlock, but you right. know, other character, other characters like Ethan, you know, he does spells like mm-hmm. in Band Candy. Um, yep. Willow seems to l- want to learn about it, and then she gets like really good at magic pretty quickly. So does that mm-hmm. mean that she's, you know, more predisposed to it? I don't know. It's definitely not something that's clearly explained to the audience, though. Right. 
So, I don't know. I think you can yeah. learn it. And also, if you can, why wouldn't you? It's magic. Right. Well, but I also guess one thing, magic in this universe is like a give and take. Like, magic has a cost associated with it, where in like Harry Potter, you know, you can do spells without, you know, sacrificing something or, you know, it potentially backfiring horribly just because you're calling upon magic so you know a different style yeah um but yeah i I was always just kind of curious i'm like Mm. i wonder because she talks about like her mother was a witch and i don't know if it was like tara became a witch because her mother taught her or if it Mm. was just like in their blood or Mm. yeah uh, I mean, it's hard for us to tell with Willow because her mother's just never around and we never <laughs> see her dad. Maybe her dad's a warlock. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> sure, headcanon. <laughs> Willow's I mean, dad is a warlock. We don't know. We're not shown differently. Nope. Um, so let's see. Later, Riley goes to visit Buffy in her dorm room. With their voices returned, they can now talk about everything that happened. Uh, and what they now know about each other, but they are both too chicken to start the conversation. <laughs> the episode ends with Riley sitting on Willow's bed, Buffy sitting on her own, and neither of them saying anything. Right. So, what did you give this for a rating? This one is like a nine for me. It's, it's a nine for me as well. It's awesome. <laughs> it's a really good episode. And yeah, really like is. we said, it's not the episode that you would show someone to get them into Buffy. But once you have the history of everything that came before, it's uh, incredibly impressive and really creepy. Perhaps the creepiest episode of Buffy. It wouldn't fit right in as a Halloween episode. Oh, yeah. The gentlemen are just things of nightmares. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. There's plenty of, like, video essays and regular, you know blogs essays online where people talk about this so i would definitely go check those out if you're interested to learn more about this episode because yeah and there's also uh for anybody out there who is like me and actually owns dvds there's a really Mm. good uh uh, director commentary on hush right so check that out yeah um and obviously watch your pass oh absolutely watch (laughs) yeah i know i feel like i didn't have to ask but without question um so one other thing that i wanted to mention is that i have to give passion the nerd a shout out because i always have to um so he did mention in his in his video on this episode uh that joss used like new camera techniques in this episode as well Mm -hmm. to help convey things since the characters couldn't speak so i just thought it was really kind of cool where like you know the like the scene where Riley and Forrest are coming down the stairs and going to try to go to, into the initiative. Mm. Like, the camera is moving with them. It's not mm. just, like, static. Right. Or just... It's it's not, like, a regular tracking, like, slow tracking shot. It's, mm. like, the camera actually has momentum mm. and helps to even give more energy to the scene. Right. With them, like, coming forward with it. Yeah. And then the... Um, the sound design and mm. the s- soundtrack. I don't sure. know what you call it a soundtrack. Yeah. Um, the but the, the music, yeah. the music in this episode mm. is also fantastic. So oh, yeah. I just wanted to give that a, a little shout out. 
Yeah. So uh, now we move on to Doomed. Which, yes. Uh, when I think of this episode, I think of Spike in a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It is. Uh, so Doomed comes directly after, like, it picks up right where Hush left off. Mm. So, um, so Doomed season four, episode 11, originally aired January 18th, uh, 2000, uh, Hush aired December 14th. They took a break for the holidays and then came back with like a month later. Mm. So even though Doomed picks up right where Hush left off, when they were airing, there was a month between them. Yeah. Mid-season finale. Yeah. Pretty normal, I think, because holidays are a tough time to get people to watch stuff. This is true. Yeah, so, pretty standard. Uh, so, yeah, aired January 18th, 2000, uh, written by Marty Noxon, David Fury, and Jane Espenson. Hmm. And then uh, directed by James A. Cotner. Right. So, those are three pretty good writers. All working yes. on one episode. But too many cooks can sometimes, you know. Yeah. This episode is kind of a mess. <laughs> which you wouldn't expect with having that many writers on it. Mm. And that many or, good established writers. That, yeah. That many writers that have done fantastic episodes for the mm. series. Um, I guess, I think it's James Petrie. Um, this episode was written kind of during his wedding. <laughs> uh so it's a pretty chaotic time to be writing something. Yeah. So they kind of handed it out a bunch they're um, amongst a bunch of writers mm. rather than just having one person write it, but with us knowing these directors so well for so long, you can almost kind of pick out mm-hmm. like which scenes were written by which people because of right. the 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 feeling of it it's mm. kind of weird yeah um and then just technically this episode is a hot mess yeah and it's so, also like another apocalypse yeah you know it's like yeah. okay but it wasn't like built up over the season it's just like no. another one in this episode well cuz uh, what's the plural of apocalypse Apocalypses? Apocaly? Apocaly. Yeah, let's go with that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so usually in this series, an apocalypse is used as, like, a big event. Mm. Uh, I mean, things like Prophecy Girl come to mind. Things like, um, what was the season two finale? Um, Becoming part one and two. Yes. With uh, with uh, Akathla. Mm. which was a whole season arc just to oh yeah close on these two episodes yeah. Well, I mean, at least with Angel going bad, it was at least like a half season build up mm. to Akathla. Right. Um. But with this one, it kind of feels like tossed in. Yes, it definitely does. I think that's incredibly fair to say. Yeah, and it's also like. The silliest apocalypse. <sighs> also, in the Zeppo, there's an apocalypse. Yeah, but we didn't but that, see that very it much. It was kind of happening in the background. Yeah, <laughs> which is hilarious, but... Really yeah. weird. Um, so, anyway, but yeah. So, getting into this episode. Uh, the episode opens right where Hush left off, with Buffy and Riley in Buffy's dorm room. Uh, but neither of them wants to start a conversation. 
so Buffy says one of or somebody should speak before one of us graduates. <laughs> and Riley says, "What are you?" Buffy says, "Capricorn on the cusp of Aquarius." You? Oh man. Uh, Buffy asks Riley who he is. He says she already knows, but the rest, what he does, he can't tell her. Buffy offers to take a guess and lays out all of the stuff that Scoobies already know about the initiative. Um, military monster squad who hunts down demons, brings them back to their base, and scientists perform experiments on them, some of them, uh, which turn the demons into harmless little bunnies. <laughs> uh, she's like, how am I doing so far? Riley's like, a little too well. <laughs> Well, she's got insider knowledge, you know. Oh, yeah. Inside well, track with Spike. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Buffy starts to question if anything Riley has told her has been real, and if that's even his real name, if he even grew up in Iowa. He says that um, Riley is his real name. He was born and raised in Iowa, and he's not the only one here who's been a little less than honest, which is kind of fair. Hmm. Um, Buffy says she thought an expert hunter, monster hunter like himself would have figured it out by now. She's the Slayer. Riley has no idea what that <laughs> is. So it's just almost like Star-Lord moment from Guardians. Yeah. Yep. Not quite as funny, but same idea. I mean, it could have been as funny if, it, if Riley was played by Chris Pratt. <laughs> True. <laughs> Can you imagine what Riley would be like if he was played by Chris Pratt? be interesting. I just... I think from the video you sent me last week, Ryan Reynolds was in the running to play Xander. That's oh, so yeah. Weird. <laughs> it's so weird. I mean, I'm, I'm happy we got Nicholas Brennan because he yeah. does that role so yeah. hard. I mean, I look at it this way. You know what? Sometimes things work out the way they're supposed to. And mm -hmm. if Ryan Reynolds had played Xander, maybe he wouldn't have done other things that it would eventually yeah. have gotten him to be Deadpool. So right, he wouldn't have been Ryan Reynolds if he had been Xander. Right. And yeah, it works out. Yeah, but it, it certainly would have been funny. Yeah, we wouldn't have known, but I want a glimpse into the universe of yeah. Ryan Reynolds as Xander just for an episode or two. Like, I almost wish it had been Ryan Reynolds in the unaired pilot. Right. <laughs> they just replaced both of them. Yeah. Just, to, just to see what it would have mm. looked like. Right. We love Nicholas Brennan. He's amazing. Yes. He, he's Xander forever. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Uh, Riley asks what they do next. Buffy says she doesn't know. Uh, she thought that Riley was a nice, normal guy. He says he is. They decide to take a little bit of time to process everything, which I think is totally fair. Um, Riley agrees and starts to leave when Rat Amy starts freaking out. An earthquake hits, and Buffy and Riley rush to the closet door frame for safety. Uh, after the earthquake, Riley is excited because it was his first earthquake. <laughs> Buffy says it's not hers, clearly uh, referencing the earthquake in Prophecy Girl. Right. Also, it it shows that they're obviously living in California because they know immediately to go into a door frame. Yeah. Uh, being from Massachusetts, I would be like, whoa. That's crazy. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't would, think to go into a door frame. It would take time to like even process what's mm -hmm. happening. Yeah. Because you're just so not used to it. Right. Um, back at Sanders basement, the earthquake knocked a couple of pipes loose and it's now leaking water all over Spike's sleeping chair. <laughs> <laughs> Xander needs to head out for work and he asks Spike to fix the pipes while he's gone. 
Xander hands Spike a wrench, uh, then turns his back. Spike makes to hit Xander in the head with it, only to have his chip kick in and cause him a massive head and cause him to have a massive headache, which is just a great yeah. scene. Um, in this scene, Xander mentions that he's paying for Spike's blood, and if Spike doesn't earn his keep, he won't be kept. I'm not sure at what point Spike transitioned into being uh, the Scooby's prisoners, like <laughs> from being their prisoner to being just an unwanted roommate. Yeah. Also, we don't, don't see when, Olivia. It is fun. We don't see Olivia in this scene at all, or in this episode at all. So I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess she's still there, but like, yeah. oh wait, no, I take that back. We do. Never mind. Okay. I can or was it? That at, <laughs> or was it at the end of last episode? You know when she and Giles are lying on the couch, mm. and, um. She's like, you know, you used to tell me about all that monster stuff all the time, but I didn't. I thought you were just being pretentious. I didn't think it was real. Mm. He's like, well, I was being pretentious, but I was also right. <laughs> I don't remember if that happens in this episode or the, I don't end of the last episode. I think it happens though. in this episode. Yeah. I don't think so. So maybe she just took off. Yeah. I don't she know. She just had to stay the weekend. Yeah, but I, I feel like know. we. Live her life. I feel like we don't see her in this episode, which is why it doesn't make sense. The spike's still staying it's with Xander, but it's fine. Yeah. Um, Giles is just completely lied. It's like, yeah, <laughs> she's staying for so long. <laughs> Two months, maybe three. Yeah, exactly. Um, Buffy heads to Giles' house to fill him in on her concerns about the earthquake. He downplays the situation, saying the earthquakes uh, aren't uncommon in Southern California, which is true. Yes. Um, but this scene is bizarre because every one of Anthony Stewart's head's lines has clearly been re-recorded in post-production in like a soundproof soundproof booth. Yeah. Uh, I guess they do this on TV shows if either um, a character isn't saying a line right on set or they mm. just can't make something work or if they decide to like change some lines later. Yeah. Um, a character can go, or a, an actor can go in and re-record some of their character's mm -hmm. lines. But it's like every single one of his lines has been re-recorded, and it just sounds bizarre. Like, you can tell. Once you know, like, if you go back and watch this, someone listening you didn't know this, you'll be able to tell. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm like oh, yeah, it does sound weird. And, you know, it's not, it's not uncommon. I mean, stuff definitely goes... As someone who's made a lot of videos and films, stuff goes wrong. Sometimes you don't get the audio you thought you got, and you have to fudge around it. But yeah, I think this is more having to do with uh, the disjointed nature of the script than uh, yeah. anything else. It happens, though, as well in a later scene, and mm. it's all of Anthony Stewart's headlines again. Yeah, It makes me almost wonder if he like maybe was sick during filming mm. and had like a raspy voice and like they had to re-record it later because mm. he sounded really sick <laughs> i don't know but like right. that's that's my kind of tinfoil hat around it but i'm mm. like it's every single one of his lines this entire episode it's so weird um but anyway <laughs> cat shook my desk i have a cat here for anybody watching on uh youtube yeah i have i have a friend here today <laughs> Actually, I have two, because the other one is right up yes. there, but you can only see, like, the back half of him. He is... Hold on. This is super cute. I have to show this. He is Aww. passed out. Yeah, it's adorable. 
And then, hold on. Please ignore my mic, but there's Rocky. <laughs> oh. They're both just passed out. Uh, oh, no. There we go. Uh, but yeah. Okay, sorry. Tangent. It's um, all good. <laughs> so, Giles has been focusing on the commando guys, the locations of the various sightings, and the team. Um, and, like, any information they were able to pull out of Spike. Which doesn't seem to be all that much. No. Um, <laughs> uh, he says that he thinks their installation is either near or directly under the college. That one or more of them could actually be around the college. Uh, Buffy keeps trying to steer him off the topic to protect herself and lessen the chance that she'll slip up and tell him about Riley and what mm. she knows to actually be fact. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of a weird scene. Yeah. Uh, Riley is hanging out with Forrest. In the initiative, he asks Forrest if he's ever heard of the Slayer, but Forrest says that the Slayer is a myth. The demons tell their demon children to get them to clean up their bedrooms. <laughs> Hi. I'm pretty believable um, that there'd be a big, a big bad for the demons. Yeah. Uh, and it would be the Slayer. <laughs> I think he refers to it as like the demons version of the boogeyman. Right. But yeah. Pretty accurate. Yeah. Uh, Willow heads to a dorm part, uh, dorm party, and is feeling very lonely. She runs into Percy, the football jock she tutored back in season three. Uh, she overhears Percy later talking to his girlfriend. He tells her that Willow was just a nerd that tutored him in high school. Willow was bummed to know what Percy really thought about her and sneaks off to a bedroom to sulk. She curls up in a bed, she finds, for some reason. Very weird. Very weird uh, behavior. Only, so, like, the party was happening that because, like, the dorm was celebrating that their power was out for some reason. Um, so Any excuse to party, I guess. Uh, so the lights happen to come back on after she's curled up in this bed. She turns over mm. only to discover that uh, she curled up next to a dead guy with a symbol carved into his chest. Unfortunate. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Back at Xander's basement, Xander returns from work to discover that the place looks worse than when he left. Spike has also attempted to do laundry, resulting in him shrinking his own clothes and is now forced to wear a Hawaiian shirt and cargo shorts that belong to Xander. <laughs> I want to know how that worked because uh, uh, James Marsters is very, very, very slim. Yes. So he probably needed to put a belt on for those shorts. Yeah. And Not he just saying... found the loosest fitting, like, top, yep. which would be a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> Not saying the Xander's fat, just saying no. that James Marsters is very compact. And, you know, for Xander, you know, he's, he's filled out, I would say. As the show goes on, he really fills out. Mm -hmm. He gets pretty good shape. Uh, I mean, we never see him in anything less than we saw him in Go Fish. But uh, right. we're assuming. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, oh, wait, no. Never mind. There is a shirtless we'll Sanders scene in season, yeah. two, in season seven. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert, sorry. Buffy comes to collect uh, Willow from the crime scene, and they head to Giles' place where Willow fills them in on what happened and shows them the napkin drawing she made of the symbol. Giles says that it's the end of the world. Buffy grabs a crossbow, says she's going to stop it. End of scene. That's why you can tell this episode is just not their strongest. Yeah. It's just like, okay, vague threat, end of the world, Buffy going to stop it. 
good enough. <laughs> yeah. It's just so bizarre. Um, yeah, and this is another one, another scene where all of Anthony Stewart's headlines were re-recorded, and it's weird. Um, so Buffy tracks down the symbol to a mausoleum where she confronts a demon who is robbing a grave. They fight, the demon gets the upper hand on Buffy, Buffy gets distracted by Riley, and the demon gets away. Yeah. Buffy tries to push Riley away, saying that the relationship is just doomed, and she can't do another doomed relationship right now. It's hard for me to say this, but Riley makes some solid points about how she shouldn't compare him to other guys she's dated in the past. Right, which is a solid point for everybody. Don't compare new romantic interests to people in the past who have wronged you you know fresh slight yeah yeah don't try as much as you can to not bring your baggage into the relationship i know it's almost impossible but yeah riley has a point but like they haven't even like started to start dating yet true and it's yeah um so he says he's not going to force himself onto her but he's also not going to walk away because he thinks it might not work Hmm. um so just Totally my opinion here, but this whole conversation is just melodramatic and stupid. Yeah, which is what Buffy is best at with relationships. Yeah, I mean, the whole Bangel speak was a thing. But, I mean, having this much in common should, like, put you closer together, not pull Mm. you apart. And, like, I understand Buffy's reluctance to get into another, like, workplace romance. (laughs) That's a good point. Um, but her concerns about the risks being too high make no sense considering that if he wasn't with Buffy, Riley would still be out fighting demons as part of the initiative anyway. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, he's not doing it to impress Buffy. No. Not like that. Who's the guy from season one? Oh. Owen? Know. Owen. Was it Owen? It was Owen. The one who, like, loved things that were morbid? Yeah, yeah, and she went on, like, one date with him and then... He almost got killed, and then he was, like, all into this. It was uh, Never Kill a Boy on the First Date. That was Owen. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's, Riley's no Owen here. He no. he knows what, what's up. And he's uh, very strong and well-trained. Yeah. I do think it's interesting that the initiative has been able to... I mean, we don't know how long they've been in, like, operation. Mm. Um, but, like, it doesn't seem like they have any of the mystical knowledge that... Giles brings to the table like they don't Mm. they don't seem to have a Giles right so I don't even think they know that like there are different names for different demons besides like vampire werewolf demon yeah no they're definitely like doing it more of a like they're discovering all of this (laughs) you know like okay we're gonna find this and classify this demon as a you know, what was it? Subterrestrial, whatever. Like, subterrestrial. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I, I like it because I, I do think it tracks um, well with, especially in um, the second season with the girl who went invisible and then got like recruited to the government program. Like that's the first kind of thing that we see of it. And then there's more like, you know, Principal Snyder covering stuff up with the local, you know, government. Right. Obviously, that had to do with the mayor, too. But, you know, the, the government is tangentially aware of the strange going on, goings-on in Sunnydale. 
mm-hmm. and it would make sense that they'd want to research it and potentially harness the forces of darkness for their own gain. That sounds like the U.S. government to me. You're not wrong. Uh, so let's see. Willow and Xander head back to Xander's basement to discover Spike trying and failing to stake himself. Uh, he's like <laughs> propped a stake up on a table and is trying to fall onto it. It's a dark scene, but it's played for laughs, so it's hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, shoot. I missed something. Uh, we'll come back to that. Hold on. Okay. Uh, there's a scene that keeps switching between the Scoobies and the Initiative. Buffy and her friends find the demon in one of Giles' books, figure out what he's after. Meanwhile, at the Initiative, Riley fills his team in. They think the demon is just a basic kill, crush, destroy. So kind of going to what we were just saying. Mm-hmm. Um, about, like, Buffy goes in with knowledge, and the Initiative kind of just goes in with brute force. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, too. Like, the Initiative has no like want to reason with demons they don't view them as you know intelligent creatures at all Mm -hmm. they just view them as like animals Animals. basically it's messed up especially with like i've seen plenty of demons in the course of this show angel um and vampires like they they are intelligent creatures like oh yeah some are obviously mindless killing machines sure but many of them don't even like killing at all right yeah like yep so uh so let's see then we go back to willow and xander head back to xander's basement to discover spike trying and failing to save himself xander is insulted that spike didn't trust him enough to ask him for help i know that's so good it's not like oh my god dude what you're gonna kill yourself (laughs) it's like why didn't you ask me to kill you i would have in a heartbeat well he's like (laughs) First of all, those are my clothes you're about to dust there, buddy. <laughs> Second of all, I mean, you want to die. I want to kill you. We could have worked something out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do think it's interesting. Like, if a vampire is wearing something, then it gets dusted. Yep. So, yeah, it's a good point. You can't lose that Hawaiian shirt. It's very spiffy. Oh, yeah. So, I understand. I wonder if, I wonder if we ever see Xander wearing that. I haven't. <laughs> something to look out for. Yeah. <laughs> Or if it ever comes back with spikes at some yep. point. Though I doubt it. Uh, Spike is depressed that he's not remotely scary anymore and has resorted to depending on the Scoobies for blood and shelter. They decide to take Spike along with them to keep an eye on him. Uh, and Xander tries to cheer him up by telling them that if they don't find what they're looking for, there might be an apocalypse. Spike's like, really? You're not just saying that. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I might die anyways. This is great. Yeah. Uh, Willow, Xander, and Spike's trip to the museum turns out to be useless, as the museum didn't have what they were looking for. During their post-search scene, uh, Spike discovers a new way he can cause harm to humans, using his perception and words to cause emotional pain by pointing out their flaws. He points out that Xander lives in a basement where other kids his age are in school, and that Willow can't even keep uh, Oz happy. And that they're both seemingly useless to Buffy as she's the one who fights the forces of evil. Yeah. Which we know, as viewers, is not true. Buffy couldn't do it without Xander and Willow. Um, But, uh, you know, it definitely plays on their own self-doubts. Yeah. Spike's a smart boy. He knows. Spike is one of those demons that we were just talking about who is very, very smart. (laughs) Sometimes he's dumb. But a lot of the times he is very smart and he knows exactly Mm. what he's doing. Um, 
So let's see. Giles discovers that the last piece of the ritual the demons were trying to um, do to bring forth the apocalypse is actually a talisman that he's had all along. The demons attack and steal the talisman. Yeah. Pretty standard fare. <laughs> uh, the Scoobies head, a, uh, head to the remnants of the blown-up high school where the demons are attempting to open the Hellmouth that was below the library. They bring Spike along. The Scoobies start to fight the demons, uh, eventually determining that the demons are the sacrifices. Hmm. So they need to make, like, three sacrifices to open up the Hellmouth again. Right. Um, and they determine that the demons are sacrificing themselves rather than bringing, like, hostages or something. I uh, say, I love this set of the burnt-out high school. Yeah. Like, I think it's I think it's one of the coolest things because, like, they could have easily just been, like, the high school's gone but no, they like built a like destroyed version of it, and it comes oh, yeah. up like a bunch of times. And I don't know. I think that's really fun, and it makes the world feel lived in. This is true. So, yeah. Uh, let's see, during the course of the fight, Spike discovers that he can hurt demons without his head hurting. <laughs> so he finally has a like an outlet for all of his pent up anger. It's awesome. <laughs> He's like, I'm uh, bloody back. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Riley shows up mid-fight to lend a hand, having followed the demon's pheromone trace. Uh, for some reason, he's the only one that shows up. Mm -hmm. Uh, the last demon ends up jumping in the hole, uh, into the Hellmouth, but Buffy jumps in after him with the help of Riley and his hundred miles of long repelling cable thing. <laughs> also, is this a scene when he runs into Spike and Spike's like, oh no. And he like does like a Texas accent. Nope. That's later. <laughs> okay. Oh my God. I love that scene so much. Um, Buffy is able to somehow break the laws of physics, catching up to the demon mm -hmm. in free fall. Riley she just pulls falls both... harder than him. <laughs> Riley pulls them both out of the hole and they prevent the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. Yay. Woo. One apocalypse <laughs> averted for Riley, like five for Buffy. <laughs> She was in, like, free fall, managed to catch up to the demon, and mm. somehow, in, like, like, 15 seconds, Riley is able to pull her out using the repelling cable. I don't understand. Doesn't make any sense. Um, heading out of the basement, Riley runs into Willow, Xander, and Spike. Um, thanks to wearing Xander's clothes, Spike is able to play off to, um, that Riley doesn't know him, and he's just a pal of Xander's. His accent is so funny. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> He's like, don't I, don't, don't I know you? It's like, uh, no, I'm, I'm just a pal of Xander's here. Because he could have easily just done his real voice, as oh, yeah. we know. He's American from California, yes. but now they're like, let's do another a British guy trying to do a Texas accent <laughs> voice. It, it's so good. Oh yeah. Uh, Riley tries to tell them that he was just out playing paintball, but all the Scoobies realize that he's lying immediately, and that he's one of the commando guys. <laughs> he just takes paintball really seriously. He's one of those guys. He's oh. in all camo and stuff for for a paintball game. Don't you have to play paintball, like, in a specific area? Like, as to try yeah. to not hurt people would, who are... Yeah, this paintball courses, which can be really neat, obviously, but, yeah. I don't, he wouldn't just be out and about in the middle of downtown like like yeah. the high school is kind of in the more like urban area so mm -hmm. i don't i don't know the condemned high school <laughs> that's where he's playing paintball 
Yeah, it's not safe. No. Uh, The next day, Buffy visits Riley at his dorm. He's bummed because he sucks at having a secret identity and (laughs) says it's the end of the world. Buffy says it's not and kisses him, so I guess they're back together. Yay? Mm -hmm. That's good. Uh, Episode ends with Spike trying to convince Xander and Willow to head out demon hunting with him because he's all excited to be able to hurt things again. Uh, Even if it's demons and not humans. It's it's like, yeah, let's be good. Let's go. It's like, vampires! (laughs) Let's go kill them for the safety of puppies and Christmas. (laughs) It's awesome. Um, I still think this is a solid episode. I gave it a six. Good, not great. Um, I'd give it like a five. Ooh, brutal. It's, it's... It's a hot mess of an episode. Yeah, but the Spike stuff's so funny. Yes, it carries Spike the episode. Carries this episode. Yeah. All right, so you're going five locked in. Yeah. Okay, just Final so I know answer. what to put <laughs> when I edit the video. Oh man. Well, yeah that that's it for our episode. A long one today. Yeah. Too. But uh, it's good to be talking about Buffy again. Um, and good to be talking about these episodes. Jill, where can people find you online? Uh, so if you want, I, I've stopped live tweeting, but if you want yes. to go hit me. As someone you, who started to help take notes, it's like, yeah, no, live tweeting during this, too much. Too see? Much. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never doubted you. I believed you, but I can <laughs> confirm it firsthand now. Um, but yeah, if you if you want to track me down on Twitter, I'm at Jillian underscore Swan. That's Swan with two N's. Um, I don't know. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know if, I don't know, something. Say hi. If you have any, yeah. If you want to say hi, if you have any thoughts on anything. Um, I do have a correction to make, actually. Correction Um, corner. Let's do it. From our Fear Itself episode. Okay. They do actually, at least in some parts of the UK, celebrate Halloween. It is not strictly an American thing. Oh, okay. Good. Uh, Halloween's the best. (laughs) I asked a friend of mine who lives in Scotland, Mm. and he said that they do celebrate it, but it's not necessarily as, like, big of a thing as it is in the U.S. Well, get on it. Get (laughs) Jill's friend, if you're watching, make it bigger. Halloween is so fun. But don't just do it on your own, because going, as as we said in Fear Itself, going and knocking on your neighbor's doors and demanding candy without them participating in Halloween it's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I love Halloween. I was actually thinking because we're going to move next week. We're moving. <gasps> and uh, I know. So I got to pack after we're done filming. Um, but uh, I was like, damn, is it close enough? No, it's not close enough to October. <laughs> Can't reasonably set up anything for Halloween yet. Oh. But uh, in five months. Oh, it's it's going down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely put pictures on the uh, We Can Get Everything Twitter. But, uh, yes, anything else you you would like to plug, promote, get in there? Um, so occasionally you can find me over in the comments on uh, the Grassblock UK channel on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a bunch of really cool people hanging out, poking fun at each other and playing video games. So uh, if you want to go check them out, Grassblock UK on Twitch. Awesome. Check them out. Tell them where you came from. Sunny Day Review. Yep. Obviously say hi to Jill. She's in the comments. <laughs> As for me, uh, you can find me on Twitter at the fake BMR. That's B M A R R. You can find 
the channel on Twitter at WG Everything on Instagram at Wicked Everything on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Wicked Everything TikTok search Wicked Good Everything and uh, check out our all our podcasts we got Wicked Good Show where we're primarily covering Rick and Morty right now um, what is it better radio of course I'm like wait what's the other one? Oh yeah it's not actually covering anything it's just thoughts and opinions of uh, our brother comedian Liam Mar and I just just shooting the shit Jill has said that she'll come on at some point as a guest. We get yep. scheduled that. That'll be very fun. Looking Gotta figure to out what that. we're going to talk about. Yeah, or anything. <laughs> There's no structure to that show. <laughs> Unlike this, where we're very structured. Yes. Nothing. Nothing quite quite as uh, in-depth. So make sure you subscribe to the channel. Once we get to 100 subscribers, we can get where you get podcasts. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to the main channel. And... Uh, if you see someone comment want to be friends on videos don't click on it because that's apparently a bot that can potentially get access to your account allegedly i just want to spread that word okay yeah yeah and it's it definitely is a bot that comments on our videos sometimes so oh. i don't want anyone to be like oh what's i want to be friends no don't want to be friends it's a malicious bot all right, well, if you are listening to us on a podcast service, though, definitely head over to the channel because that is where you will get to see super cute kitty moments sometimes yes. when they when they decide to come visit. So definitely head over to the YouTube channel and subscribe so that you can see the kitty moments. Even if, you listen, even if you listen to the audio podcast, I will mm. reference the cat, and then you can come over to YouTube mm. and see the cat. So. Cat I is just... sleeping right now. Very oh, yeah. cute. You don't want to miss it. <laughs> This is Rocky Balboa, so. Rocky Balboa. Adorable. <laughs> so so yeah. we'll see you guys in the next one. Right. Good night. The Sunnydale Review is a Wicked Good Everything production. Fan art of Buffy was created by Fishbone Art. The logo was created by Tamar Kutab. The original intro and outro song was created by Alex Carl.